Chapter 13 of The Castaways of the Flag. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. The Castaways of the Flag by Jules Verne. Chapter 13 Sharks Island. It was now half past two in the afternoon. The foliage of the mangrove was so dense that the rays of the sun, though almost vertical, could not penetrate it. Thus Fritz and his companions ran no risk of being detected in the aerial dwelling of Falconhurst, of the existence of which the savages who had landed on the island had no idea. Five men, half-naked, with the black skins of natives of western Australia, armed with bows and arrows, were coming along the path. They had no notion that they had been seen, or even that there were other inhabitants of the promised land besides those of Rock Castle. But what had become of Masseuse or Matt and the others? Had they been able to make their escape? Had they fallen in unequal combat? Of course, as John Block remarked, it could not be supposed that the number of aborigines who had landed on the island was limited to these few men. Had they been so inferior numerically, they could not have got the better of Messrs. or Matt and his two sons and Mr. Walston, even if they had made a surprise attack. It must have been a large band that had invaded New Switzerland, whither they must have come in a fleet of canoes. The fleet was doubtless lying at the present moment in the creek, with the boat and the pinnace. It could not be seen from the top of Falconhurst, because the view in that direction was cut off by the point of Deliverance Bay. And where were the Zermatts and the Walstons? What inference must be drawn from the fact that they had not been encountered at Falconhurst or thereabouts? that they were prisoners of rock castle that they had neither time nor opportunity to seek refuge in the other farms or that they had been massacred everything else was explained now the havoc wrought at falconhurst and the deserted condition in which the promised land was found between the swan lake canal and the shore how could they cherish any but the faintest hope so while captain gould and the boatswain kept the natives in view the others sorrowed together there was one last chance. Could the two families have taken refuge in the westward, in some part of the island beyond Pearl Bay? If they had caught sight of the canoes in the distance, across Deliverance Bay, might they not have had time to make their escape in the wagon, taking provisions and arms? Captain Gould and John Block continued to watch the approaching savages. Was it their intention to come into the yard? The house had been visited and pillaged by them already. Now they might discover the door at the foot of the staircase. In that event, however, they could easily be disposed of, for when they stepped out onto the platform, they could be surprised, one by one, and hurled over the balustrade a drop of forty or fifty feet. And, as the boatswain remarked, if after a tumble like that they had legs enough left to get back to Rock Castle, the beasts would be more like cats than the monkeys they resemble. But when they reached the end of the avenue, the five men stopped. The watchers did not miss a single movement they made. What was their business at Falconhurst? If the aerial dwelling had escaped their observation so far, were they not now on the point of discovering it, and the people inside it? And then they would come back in larger numbers, and how was the attack of a hundred natives to be withstood? They came to the palisade and walked all round it. Three of them entered the yard, and went into one of the outhouses on the left, coming out again presently with fishing tackle. 
The rascals are a bit too familiar, the boatswain murmured. They don't only not ask your leave. Can they have a canoe on the beach, and are they going to fish along the shore? said Captain Gould. We'll soon find out, Skipper, John Block replied. The three men returned to their companions. Then they went down the little path bordered with a stout thorn hedge, which ran along the right of the Falconhurst River and passed on to the sea. They were inside until they reached the cutting through which the river flowed to its outlet into Flamingo Bay. But as soon as they turned to the left, they became invisible, and would only be seen again if they put out to sea. It was probable there was a boat upon the beach, probable, too, that they generally used it for fishing near Falconhurst. While Captain Gould and John Block remained on the watch, Jenny controlled her grief and asked Fritz, "'What ought we to do, dear?' Fritz looked at his wife, not knowing what to answer. "'We are going to decide what we ought to do,' Captain Gould declared. "'But to begin with, it is idle to remain on this balcony, where we are in danger of being discovered.' When they were all together in the room, while Bob, who was tired by his long march, slept in a little closet next to it, Fritz answered his wife's question. "'No, Jenny dear, all hope is not lost of finding our people.' It is possible that they were not taken by surprise. Father and Mr. Walston are sure to have seen the canoes in the distance. They may have had time to take refuge in one of the farms, or even in the heart of the woods at Pearl Bay, where these savages would not have ventured. We saw no trace of them when we left the hermitage at Eberfurt, after we crossed the canal. My opinion is that they have not moved away from the coast. That is my opinion, too, said Captain Gould and I believe that Monsieur Zermatt and Mr. Wollston have got away with their families. Yes, I am sure of it, said Jenny positively. Dolly, dear, Susan, don't lose heart. Don't cry any more. We shall see them all again. The young woman spoke so stoutly that she brought back hope to them. Fritz shook her hand. It is God who speaks through your lips, Jenny, dear, he said. On consideration, indeed, as Captain Gould insisted, it was hardly to be supposed that Rock Castle could have been surprised by attacking natives, for they could not have brought their canoes by night to land which they did not know. It must have been by daylight that they arrived, and some of the islanders must surely have seen them far enough off to have had time to take refuge in some other part of the island. And then again, Fritz added, if these natives landed only recently, our people may not have been at Rock Castle at all. This is the season when we usually visit all the farms. Although we did not meet them at the Hermitage at Eberfurt last night, they may be at Woodgrange, or Prospect Hill, or at Sugarcane Grove, in the midst of those thick woods. Let us go to Sugarcane Grove first, Frank suggested. We can do that, John Block assented, but not before night. Yes, now, at once, at once, Frank insisted, declining to listen to argument. I can go alone, about twelve miles there and twelve miles back. I shall be back in four hours, and we shall know what we are about. No, Frank, no, said Fritz. I do beg you not to leave us. It would be most foolish. If need be, I order you not to, and I am your elder brother. Would you stop me, Fritz? I would deter you from doing anything so rash. Frank, Frank, said Dolly entreatingly. Do please listen to your brother. Frank, I beseech you. But Frank was set on his plan. 
Very well, said the boatswain, who thought it his duty to interfere. Since a search is to be made, let us make it without waiting until night. But why should we not all go together to Sugarcane Grove? Then come along, said Frank. But, the boatswain went on, addressing Fritz, is it really Sugarcane Grove that we ought to make for? Where else? Fritz asked. Rock Castle, John Block answered. The name, thus unexpectedly dropped into the discussion, altered the whole course of it. Rock Castle? After all, if Monsieur Zomat and Mr. Walston and their wives and children had fallen into the hands of the natives, and if their lives had been spared, it was there that they would be, for the smoke proved that Rock Castle was occupied. Go to Rock Castle, eh? Captain Gould replied. All right, but go there altogether. Altogether? No, said Fritz. Only two or three of us, and after dark. After dark? Frank began again, more set than ever upon his idea. I am going to Rock Castle now. And how do you expect in broad daylight to escape the savages who are prowling round about it? Fritz replied. And if you do escape them, how will you get into Rock Castle if they are there at the time? I don't know, Fritz, but I shall find out if our people are there, and when I have found out, I will come back. My dear Frank, Captain Gould said, I quite understand your impatience, and I sympathize with it, but do give way to us in this matter. It is only common prudence that makes us think as we do. If the savages get you, the hunt will be up, they will come back to look for us, and there won't be any more safety for us, either at Woodgrange or anywhere else. At last they succeeded in making Frank listen to reason. He had to bow to the authority of one who already, perhaps, was the head of the family. So it was decided that they should wait, and that as soon as darkness permitted, Frank and the boatswain should leave Falconhurst. It was better that two should make this reconnaissance, fraught with many dangers. They would glide along the quickset hedge that bordered the avenue, and both would try to get to Jackal River. If the drawbridge were withdrawn to the other bank, they would swim across the river and attempt to get into the courtyard of Rock Castle through the orchard. It would be easy to see through one of the windows if the families were shut up inside. If they were not, Frank and John Block would come back at once to Falconhurst, and they would all try to get to Sugar King Grove before daylight. Never did the hours drag by more slowly. Never had Captain Gould and his companions been more profoundly dejected not even when the boat was cast adrift upon an unknown sea, not even when it was smashed upon the rocks in Turtle Bay, not even when the shipwrecked company, with three women and a child amongst them, saw themselves threatened by winter on a desert coast, shut in a prison whence they could not escape. In the midst of all those trials they had, at least, been free from anxiety on account of those in New Switzerland, whereas now... They had found the island in the power of a horde of natives, and did not know what had become of their relatives and friends, but had good ground for fearing that they might all have perished in a massacre. Slowly the day wore on. Every now and then one or other of them, generally Fritz and the boatswain, climbed up among the branches of the mangrove in order to search the country and the sea. What they were most anxious to ascertain was whether the savages were still in the neighborhood of Falconhurst, or had gone back to Rock Castle. But they could see nothing except, towards the south, near the mouth of Jackal River, the low column of smoke rising above the rocks. 
up to four o'clock in the afternoon nothing happened to change the situation a meal was prepared from the stores in the house when frank and john block came back they might all have to set out for sugar-cane grove and that would be a long march suddenly a report was heard what is that jenny exclaimed and fritz drew her back as she was hastening to one of the windows could it have been a gun frank asked it was a gun the boatswain exclaimed but who fired it fritz said a ship off the island do you think james suggested the unicorn perhaps jenny cried then she must be very near the island john block remarked for that report was close at hand come to the balcony come to the balcony frank cried excitedly let us be careful not to be seen for the savages must be on the alert captain gould cautioned them all eyes were turned towards the sea no ship was to be seen although judging from the nearness of the report it must have been off whale island all that the boatswain could see was a single canoe manned by two men which was trying to get in from the open sea to the beach at falconhurst can they be ernest and jack jenny whispered no fritz answered those two men are natives and the canoe is a parole but why are they running away like that frank asked can there be someone after them fritz uttered a cry a cry of joy and surprise combined he had just seen a bright flash in the middle of a white smoke and almost simultaneously there was a second report which made the echoes ring round the coast at the same time a ball skimming the surface of the bay threw up a great jet of water a couple of fathoms away from the canoe which continued to fly at full speed towards falconhurst there there shouted fritz father and mr walston and all of them are there on sharks island it was indeed from that island that the first report had come as well as the second with a ball aimed at the grove no doubt the islanders had found refuge under the protection of the battery which the savages did not venture to approach above it was a red and white flag of new switzerland while on the topmost peak in all the island floated the british flag impossible to depict the joy the delirium to which those so lately in despair now abandoned themselves and their emotions were shared by those true comrades captain gould and the boatswain there was no further idea of going to rock castle they would leave falconhurst only to go how they did not know to sharks island if only it had been possible to communicate with it by signals from the top of the mangrove to wave a flag to which the flag on the battery might reply but that might have been unwise unwise too to fire a few shots with a pistol for though these might be heard by monsieur zermatt they might also be heard by the savages if they were still prowling about falconhurst it was most important that they should not know of the presence of captain gould and his party for these could not have withstood a combined attack by all the savages now in possession of rock castle our position is a good one now fritz remarked don't let us do anything to compromise it quite so captain gould replied since we have not been discovered don't let us run any risk of it let us wait until night before we do anything how will it be possible to get to sharks island jenny asked by swimming fritz declared yes i can swim there all right and since father must have fled there in the longboat i will bring back the longboat to take you all over fritz dear jenny could not refrain from protesting 
swim across that arm of the sea mere sport for me dear wife mere sport the intrepid fellow answered perhaps the niggers's canoe is still upon the beach john block suggested evening drew on and a little after seven o'clock it was dark for night follows day with hardly any interval of twilight in these latitudes about eight o'clock the time had come and it was arranged that fritz and frank and the boatswain should go down into the yard they were to satisfy themselves that the natives were not hanging about anywhere near and then were to venture down to the shore in any case captain gould james walston jenny dolly and susan were to wait at the foot of the tree for a signal to join them so the three crept down the staircase they had not dared to light a lantern lest its light should betray them there was no one in the house below nor in the outhouses what had to be found out now was whether the men who had come during the day had gone back to rock castle or if they were on the beach for which the canoe had made caution was still necessary fritz and john block decided to go down to the shore by themselves while frank remained on guard near the entrance to the yard ready to run in if any danger threatened falconhurst the two men went out of the palisade and crossed the clearing then they slid from tree to tree for a couple of hundred yards listening and peering until they reached the narrow cutting between the last rocks against which the waves broke the beach was deserted and so was the sea as far as the cape the outlines of which could just be seen in the eastward there were no lights either in the direction of rock castle or on the surface of deliverance bay a single mass of rock loomed up a couple of miles out at sea it was shark's island come on said fritz ay ay john block replied they went down to the sandy shore whence the tide was receding they would have shouted for joy if they had dared a canoe was there lying on its side it was the pirogue which the battery had greeted with a couple of shots from its guns a lucky thing that they missed it john block exclaimed if they hadn't it would be at the bottom now if it was mr jack or mr ernest who was such a bad shot we will offer him our congratulations this little boat of native construction and work by paddles could only hold five or six people captain gould did his party number to eight and a child to be rowed to shark's island true the distance was only a bare two miles well we will pack in somehow john block said we mustn't have to make two trips besides fritz added in another hour the flood tide will make itself felt and as it sets towards deliverance bay not very far from shark's island it will not be a very big job for us to get there everything is for the best the boatswain replied and that is beginning to become evident there was no question of pushing the boat down to the sea it would take the water of its own accord directly the flood tide overtook it john block satisfied himself that it was firmly moored and was in no danger of drifting out to sea then both went up the beach again into the avenue and rejoined frank who was waiting for them in the courtyard informed of what they had found he was overjoyed fritz left him with the boatswain to keep watch over the entrances to the yard the news he brought made joy upstairs about half-past nine all went down to the foot of the mangrove tree frank and john Plock had seen nothing suspicious silence reigned round falconhurst the slightest sound could have been heard for there was not a breath of air with fritz and frank and captain gould in front they crossed the courtyard and the clearing 
and filing under cover of the trees in the avenue they reached the beach. It was as deserted as it had been two hours before. The flood tide had already lifted the boat, which was floating at the end of its rope. Nothing now remained but to get into it, unmoor it, and push off into the current. Jenny, Dolly, Susan, and the child immediately took their places in the stern. The others crouched between the seats, and Fritz and Frank took the paddles. It was just ten o'clock, and, as there was no moon, they hoped they might get across unseen. In spite of the great darkness, they would have no difficulty in making straight for the island. The moment the pirogue was caught by the current, it was carried towards it. All kept silence. Not a word was exchanged, even under breath. Every heart was gripped by excitement. The flood tide could not be relied upon to take them straight to Shark's Island. About a mile from the shore, it bore away towards the mouth of Jackal River to run up Deliverance Bay. So Fritz and Frank paddled vigorously toward the dark mass of rock, where no sound or light could be detected. But someone would certainly be on guard within the battery. Was there not a danger of the canoe being seen and shot at, under the misapprehension that the savages were making an attempt to get possession of the island under cover of the night? Actually, the boat was not more than five or six cables length away when a light flashed out at the spot where the gun stood under their shed. Was it the flash from a gun? Was the air about to be rent by an explosion? And then, caring no longer whether the savages heard him or not, the boatswain stood up and shouted in stentorian tones, Don't shoot! Don't shoot! Friends! We are friends! shouted Captain Gould. And Fritz and Frank together called again and yet again, It's we! It's we! It's we! The instant they touched the rocks, they fell into the arms of their friends. End of chapter 13 Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona